This podcast often contains controversial or mature topics. You have been warned. Hello and welcome back to Raygun Readers, Episode 4. I'm your co-host, Abysme. And I'm the other one, Paprika. To start this one off, Paprika has uh, a robot he's joke. He's me tell it. I don't want to tell it. You offered. I didn't offer. What's I, the joke? What do you call a robot that's thinking? Or uh, a robot with a brain? What do you call a robot with a brain? Artificial intelligence? Call it a tin can. Because it's thinking. No, I told you it was bad. <laughs> this is why I wanted to screen it first. <laughs> <laughs> it's stupid as fuck. <laughs> Did you did you read that somewhere? No. Or? Don't quit your day job. <laughs> Please don't put that in. Please don't put this in. Chris. me. <laughs> Please don't put this in. Oh, okay. Well, moving on. No, not moving on. You're required to come up with a better joke for the next week's episode. <laughs> fresh? A fresh joke? A fresh joke every week. <laughs> but we're not putting this in though, right? So today we have a very special story. My good buddy Axeman from Axeman Cartoons sent me a story, and uh, he gave me a big old disclaimer saying it may or may not be sci-fi. He's not entirely sure what to categorize it as, actually, but he said he, he submitted it, and I wanted to give it a chance because this is a story that he is going to be, you know, maybe publishing or putting into a large format book or something to that effect, and I wanted to... Just, I wanted to give it a chance and see if we can link it to sci-fi. the fact that you have friends has nothing to do with this, right? Friend or not, I take pretty much anyone's submissions Mm -hmm. under consideration. Mm -hmm. It's not like people are vying yet to, you know, get a really special spot on the podcast. By the way, if you would like to submit a story, go ahead and send it to me uh, at Abysme on Twitter. You done? Yeah, you finished over there? The (laughs) plug. All right, so uh, this is the epil- uh, sorry, the prologue, and it's nine pages, so I, uh, I don't know if we're going to get through all of it in one episode, but if anything, I would like to give a taster to people who are interested just to get a little right. sample of what that, he's writing. That, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, if you're done sassing me, you can start. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, we're starting in the prologue. And it says, the bear and the figure. The gray garden stood sprawling ever onwards into the all-consuming smog. There was a city in there, somewhere. One that belonged to lunatics and fanatics. Far better that they all hunker down in one place than run wild across what was left of the world. What uh, That was what the gray garden did, or at least those lumbering monstrosities within did. They concentrated and herded the lunatics, murdering anyone who set foot outside the city. When Jacob entered, he was one of many, a man with all his parts. Now he's alone and down one eye, his good hand, a couple of toes, and some skin on his back. Even now, with the sprawl so distant and far behind, the garden still felt dangerous. Those factories with their smokestacks that stretched into the sky still functioned. Smoke rose out of them still, after all this time, like breath on a cold day. They looked like headstones, but whose, but whose life could these be commemorating? All those who tried to escape it? Jacob sat down on the dirt. Climbing a cliff makes you appreciate your toes. He could only imagine what was being done with the ones Dancer took. He must have taken, he must have been the only person to have ever been spared by her. That much had to be certain. 
Jacob held on to the idea of like an internalized trophy of some sorts. He needed it, as he wasn't sure about anything else anymore. That glowing thing in the sky turned the grayness into the color of blood. The sparrow's hour, some called it. Soon it'd be dark. Jacob savored the prospect of the darkness because, for once, it wouldn't accompany, uh, it wouldn't accompany him with that creepy lady. It's said that she's as old as the rust farm itself, but she looks pretty damn young to him. Rust farm? So are they farming rust? Or are they just a rusty farm? That's not a good follow-up joke. I gave you a week to come up with a good one. Use yeah, it wisely. No, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a lot, actually, front-loaded. We So we have our main character, who seems to be missing parts of his body because of a run-in with uh, another character. Right, which I had to go back and read because I missed that. <laughs> There's just too much in the front, but... Yeah. Uh, well, but it's very descriptive, and this is very Axeman esque from what stories I've read by him. Uh, he gives a lot of information up front, but it's very well described, and he's very good at setting, uh, giving a setting that's intriguing. So we'll keep reading before we say more. A crash overtook the sounds of wind, a storm then. Jacob looked up, waiting for the veins to open and bathe the black earth in emerald green light. As the crash trailed off like a broken recording, the first neuron began to streak the sky. Uh, slowly it traveled. Like a river of light, it flowed like water down a corridor before it branched off into several paths. Those paths would then branch off into yet even more separate paths. Soon another neuron pronounced its inception with a messy crash on it of its own in another section of the city, and did the same thing. Jacob anticipated the collision. These were always fun to watch. The second neuron, a brighter stream, collided with the first, and with a profound noise, not so much a crash, but rather the resonant echoes of one which kept reversing itself in rather indescribable intervals, triggering a massive surge which engulfed the clouds in a green web of light. The land below became that of day, only greener. The garden was particularly interesting, as it clearly reflected, even with all its rust, the, the very effigy that harassed the sky. Jacob began to count. One, two, three, four, five. The light extinguished itself from the sky, concentrating itself to particular singularities. From these points, new streaks began, starting the process anew. A neurostorm sounded more digital than natural, as if it were man-made. Jacob never forgot. Jacob will never forget the first time he ever heard that sound. The memory still, after all these years, pieces his soul the way father... Pierces. Pierces his soul the way the father rail kings... way father rail kings' knives pierced the webbings of his hand back when he had both. Funny, really, how a thing could bring both peace and discomfort at the same exact time. He thought the narrow storm would at least reveal Swan City beyond the smoke-filled exhaust of the Great Garden, but the smog was as thick as the storm was green. Behind him were trees, not the average trees that hated anything with free will, but rather docile trees, ones without faces. That was still new to Jacob. How could a tree not have a face? How could a tree not vig vig vigilantly watch and shriek? These things were tall and random in their shapes, with limbs that branched outwards, just like the lights of the neurostorm. When he first got up here, he couldn't stop staring at them. There just couldn't have been a way those things were harmless. They smelled weird and had green needles growing off their branches. Fuck that. Not possible. And yet, 
There they stood, immobile with the exception of the swaying with the wind, dancing to the wind's voice like a swaying bag caught on a pole. No matter how long he looked, he couldn't convince himself they'd not scream. They did, however, whisper. A duet with the wind, oddly enough. There was a song, not of men. This was not a song of the worm, either. It was just a song, no more, no less. If there was no mind to witness and interpret such things, could it even be considered a song? Jacob knew he'd, knew he'd have to go amidst them eventually, engross his senses to that stench, which got worse the closer he got. So many of them. It was insane how many there were. Whew. Yeah, let's break for a second. That's yeah. the first page. Um, well, wow. Bit. Well, there's a lot in there. Are they in somebody's brain? I'm describing, like... I don't know. Uh, parts of the brain by uh, it's almost cityscapes. Like they're walking through someone's lucid dream or something. Yeah, well, like somehow physical lucid dream. I don't know. This this strikes me just off the bat, and I don't know. Um, I didn't ask for any spoilers or much context from Axeman, but he did tell me that it's supposed to resemble the Dark Tower, which is a famous fantasy book. Uh, one I haven't read, but I've heard a lot about. However, this one does strike me as kind of science fiction fantasy mashed together. At the same time, though, very there's a lot of kind of horrific imagery in here. It's almost like it's combining, mold, like he said, multiple genres. You got a dude genres. who was like covered in injuries, missing injuries, going, I was in the war once. <laughs> Space Nam was horrible. <laughs> and uh, he's just describing, I don't even know what to call this, Wonderland, maybe? It's, I mean... Dark Wonderland. We have no idea where we are, but... There's such vivid imagery, and it's really, really impressive, actually. It's this dark, Dolly-esque um, landscape, which I find really cool. Uh, we still don't know a lot. We don't know why he's here or uh, what he's doing, but... Um, he's just hanging out. He's just being a dude without well, he, He's walking through. He's going eyes. somewhere. Oh, I thought he stopped on a cliff and was like, oh, look at how beautiful this really weird place is. Well, he was... Not trusting the trees, so we can infer that where he comes from, the trees quote, are living. quote, unquote, trees, whatever they really are, right? I think they're just real. Maybe like, they're like, uh, what is it, vile or something? I think they're what we consider trees, and to him that's weird. So, I, I'm going with, with my theory that he's in a brain. <laughs> that's my theory. <laughs> Maybe, okay. Continuing on. Another crash broke out, echoing in what could only be described as rhythmic waves, before stopping in a sudden shift towards a temp tempest of a crescendo. Jacob forgot to count that time, but he knew that when the crashes behaved more erratic, it meant the neurostorm was falling apart, even now the streaks were dimming. Uh, this was part. Uh, this was the part where they began to sound almost human, like a weeping... Uh, is he talking about the storm or the trees? The storm. Uh, like a weeping widow watching the last of her children get lowered into the earth. Jacob leaned back and stared at the gray veil. Father Rail King claimed that there was another city up there. Jacob smiled at the memory of it, reflecting on how glad he was that the man was dead. Him and his whole congregation of scum. Poor bastard didn't even know he had been punishing the son of the very dying god he sought so desperately to appease. At times Jacob didn't know he should have cursed if she if he should have cursed or pitied him. Doesn't matter how, though. Henry takes what's his. Jacob undid his prosthetic knife hand. Awesome. It still had some of Dancer's blood on it. He sniffed the copper stench of it and savored the fact that even when he dies and she lived on, the, that scar would stay with her. 
Yeah, Dancer, he said out loud. Got you good, didn't I? The words felt weird on his lips. He hadn't spoken coherently in weeks. Dancer brought out the worst of him. Not that he really holds it against himself. Gradual dismemberment is as good an excuse as any to abandon proper composure. The threshold of the trees began, behind him began to move erratically, compelling Jacob to his feet as he regretted undoing the knife hand. his nice knife hand. Uh, that thing was a bitch to put back on. He held it out with his one hand and brandished it outwards awkwardly. Were these trees dancing to the wind still, or was this different? He knew he was a fool to trust trees. Trees are bastards, and that's the truth. <laughs> trees are bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't the trees that were the cause of his discourse. Rather, it was the four-legged behemoth. 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 I know that word. Can you not? Do Be you? Behemoth. Inter uh, they came out of them. He had heard of such things, was content to believe that they didn't exist, local legends and all, but as... Clear to him now, as garden as the garden was dangerous, Jacob was looking up at a, looking at a bear. Oh shit! The worm tech encased its body like bark on a guardian's face. The mechanical parts seamlessly interface in oh, sorry interlacing with the matted fur, which gave way to gangrenous patches of bear skin. It moved with a rusted squeal, just quiet enough to justify his not being able to detect it sooner. The beast roared at him. It sounded more t frightened than angry. That should have been expected, as the worm tech was clearly hurting it as it manipulated the creature against its will. Ooh. So this is... So worm tech. Yeah, some type Stay of... Stay away from that there, worm tech. Sentient technology. Like a you parasitic know, sentient technology. just controllable technology. Maybe parasitic technology? Yeah. Maybe. Or maybe it's remote controlled. Oh, maybe. Let's find out. There were two things Jacob immediately hated about this thing. One was that it had gun, a gun mounted on its back crappy concept concept in and of itself as it appeared to be stuck aim, aiming directly at the back of his of its own metallic head <laughs> the thing uh the other thing he hated was that its lower jaw had uh, had spinning circular saw blades for teeth <laughs> which was gross which was gross since the upper jaw of a bear was practically gone as a result of this design this is like five nights at freddy's four Kind of this bear imagery. came up, and then this bear was actually a robot, and this bear had saw blades for teeth. Shit's brutal. Were these things not already scary on their own? When was a, when was enough deemed to be enough? The worm truly was a sick thing. How unfortunate he had come so far, too. Jacob planted his feet into the soil beneath. If this abomination charged, perhaps it'd be reckless enough to throw itself off the cliff. The gun propped against its own head, discharged sending the bear into a yelping shriek. Lucky for it, the bullet hit only metal. When the gun fired its two front mechanical limbs be uh, began to pull itself towards him at a disconcerting pace, Jacob ex uh, executed his hopeful plan, throwing himself onto the ground beside outside its path just as the beast threw itself at him. No such luck for the cliff idea. Thing is, the bear was fighting a battle against itself just as much as it was waging an assault against him. The damn thing attacked with its mechanical front legs, but as it did so, its hind legs, the parts that were still bare, were desperately trying to retreat in the opposite direction, as if rebelling against the very nature of what it had become. 
That's what stopped it from taking a dive off the cliff. So that sounds like almost a comical image. Like, yeah, this very crazy, I'm going to kill you machine. And then the bears in there are like, oh, you know, no, it, please. It reminds me of Codiceps. Um, a bit like mechanical cor- cordyceps. Because it's trying to control, it's like when it takes over, it's a bacteria? Uh, it's a fungus. The fungus that takes over a insect, usually ants, and it tries to drive them into a hive. Well, not only ants, but yes. Well, yeah, so if it takes over an ant, it tries to drive it into the hive so it can spread more and proliferate. But ants have learned over, you know, however long to, oh, you're being mind controlled right now. We're going to skirt you to the outskirts and then let you die out there. And so the ant that's uh, the host is constantly fighting its own movements. That's how I kind of imagine this. It's a parasite trying to control an abomination. Yeah. One of the fun things about cordyceps is uh, if it ever evolved to take over humans, that would suck. Oh, it can infest humans. It can? Yeah. But it can't get to the nervous system, I think. I think it just, like, kind of grows on Yeah, but, like, if it got to the nervous system or if it evolved to get to the nervous system... You know, fuck that, right? It'd be scary, but I don't know if it would be so bad. Because if we noticed that, we'd be like, okay, you're going to the hospital. And, you know, then containment. But that'd be like a scary version of zombies. Like an actually scary version. Yeah. Also, if ants get any more intelligent, we're fucked. Because there's just so many of them. The beast turned and rushed him once more. This time, the saw blades that were its lower teeth were frantically whistling and lowering to face him accordingly. Jacob held his fake hand meekly out with his real hand. I've got a knife hand. It's not <laughs> I know what to do with it. <laughs> he was not accustomed to fighting things with this hand, uh, but he would have to make do. The beast jumped with one metallic limb and lunged out with the other, with the ex- which extended outwards, uh, outwards as the real legs hoisted up the whole mess of things into a vertical stance. The assailing limb took... Jacob in the gut with the same force as a sledgehammer. He felt his innards rattle and behave in a highly disgusting manner. He met the earth with a soft feeling uh, that made no sense. Reason turned into pudding for a moment. All the pieces fell into place, however, when he spat his teeth out, um, he must have hit the ground harder than he thought. Oh, well, it just knocked the silly out of him, it was all. No big deal. Like how our protagonist is not some attractive hero. He's this mangled, disfigured Right, but he's thing. still acting a little Rambo-ish. Well, considering his life, that's to be expected. I mean, he's a survivor, and he's barely clinging to life as uh, is. Is okay, well. Yeah, that's, I thought that was a cool little touch. No time to think about it. The blades were coming in hot, right towards his face. Jacob threw the blade at the... F- uh, threw the blade at the face, hoping it'd take something organic rather than metal. One half of the face was an exoskeleton of worm tech. The other was that of the unfortunate thing it controlled. Jacob put the blade into that. He aimed for the eye, but just hit an area around it. That sent the thing into a head-thrashing frenzy, which took his knife with it as it began to roll on the ground, crying out. As, this, as the head thrashed about, Jacob's knife hand was thrown out of the flesh it, imp- it was embedded into, and off the cliff... That Jacob spent the better part of the day climbing. <laughs> oh. Well, shit, Jacob muttered. He reached for his knife, only to remember that Dancer took it from him. Well, shit, he repeated. The bear recovered, or at least the worm tech half of it did. Well, shit, Jacob repeated <laughs> for a third time. The atrocity fumbled into a standing position, one that involved a tug of war against itself. It was a wonder the thing hadn't ripped itself in half now, by now. 
It was said that bears were extremely powerful creatures, but the mechanical section of this thing was uh, clearly far stronger. It clawed towards him with a horrific speed in spite of the horrendous situation that this thing was. Jacob grit his teeth together, let his logic vanish from his mind. As an intuitive drive for a survival kicked in, he drove out of the way. Sadly, he dove off the cliff. Well, shit, he said for a fourth time. The ground below was at least the ground below at least wasn't as scary as the bear that prompted him to find this pickle Could he was in. Could he even hear himself if he's the wind's whistling past? Uh, well, assuming there is wind, who knows in this world? Well, actually, we didn't hear. Well, I mean, that's a silly question, but... Mm-hmm. Um, is it loud enough for him to hear his own thoughts? Yeah. I don't know. Instinctively, he reached his stump into the rock formation, which just kind of scraped the fresh cut. It would have hurt, but the adrenaline kicked and canceled. Uh, but the adrenaline kind of canceled that out. His other hand, however, caught a jagged piece of rock, and he was able to at least detract the falling. As his body slammed into the cliff face, his vision spun drunkenly. But he held, and that's the thing he could focus on. He looked up. The yeah, the bear was there, looking down on him. <laughs> the saw blades were spinning blurs, and one of those arms were already descending down on him fast. Jacob drew a small ounce of solace in the fact that the bear couldn't reach him. As the bear's arm reached the end of its slack, he heard a click, and that arm, which was too short, became longer. Of course it can do that, Jacob thought resentfully. The claw wrapped around his cranium with a vice-like grip as his body was thrown upwards with the grace of a rag doll. Jacob knew this was it. He endured torture for being a heretic for five years straight by misguided fanatics who worshipped something that hated him, was hunted by his own ageless brother, walked the rail, was shot at by humblers, danced the gold dance with Dancer, climbed a cliff with missing toes, all for a gamble with the fringes, fringescape, and for what? Okay, can I stop here, actually? Sure. Um, I don't know what's going on. Where he's four pages in, and I still don't know what's going on. Now, just think about that statement. Who is Dancer? So this is a Who long walked form. the rail? What does that mean? Fringescape? What the hell is that? All this is going to be told to us. It's a long form book. We're just getting a taste of the writing. Uh, I mean, by this, I think we should spend more trying to, you know, draw readers in instead of saying all I, the things that I don't understand. Okay, how many, books, care to understand. how many books have you read where they have alluded to a thousand fucking things, <clears throat> Game of Thrones, and, and you don't figure out what they are until later on? It starts in a simple place. And this starts in a, it's an imaginative place, but it it's simple enough. He's fighting place, a bear. And it's action about a character that I don't know if I care about. And it's, I mean, I, you know, it's I don't know what's going to happen. And you can say all these phrases that you want to me. I still don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what a fringe escape is. Yeah, but I personally would be interested to find out. Eh. It's interesting and, and that's imaginative. that's my point. <laughs> okay, well, again, like, this type of writing isn't for everybody, Well, but the thing is, at some point, you got to tie it down, and I still don't know what's going on. It's the prologue. Okay, fine. <laughs> it is a prologue. That's yeah, fair. It is. In the grand scheme of things, Jacob could see how this only made perfect sense. He didn't feel the ground that he was slammed into, nor did he feel the second claw grab the other side of his face. He only saw those spinning blades close in on his face. He could feel his skull crushing. The thing held him so tight. Well, if he was going to die, he may as well look into the eyes of his executioner. One eye was horrified. The other was just a glowing red light. The blades bit into his skin. Oddly enough, he didn't feel pain, just the warm trickle of blood, of the blood that ran as it, uh, 
as the beast began to eviscerate him. Well, Jacob began, the bear exploded. Shit, he finished as the beast released him and began to writhe and roll on the ground. Writhe and roll on the ground. He watched in dazed confusion as the organic section of the bear began to roll on the ground. Wait. Yeah, you read that right. So he rolled on the ground, and then he rolled on the ground. It was clearly dying, whatever the reason was. Jacob could only assume that it was for the best. He was sure the bear would agree. As for the Worm Tech edition, that was a different story altogether. At some point in time, somebody told him that Wormtech fed exclusively on life. Without it, you were looking at a system devoid of design. As the bear died, the Wormtech began to thrash about, the mounted gun firing repeatedly into the back of its own head. What a strange design flaw. The creature's Wormtech legs dug into the earth. Clearly it wasn't finished as it began to pull itself forward directly towards him. As it did, Jacob saw the life fade from the organic eye on its face. With what little strength he had left, he meekly dragged himself out of the way, certain the creature would shift and destroy him. A pathetic attempt, really. With the hind legs being dragged behind it, the creature actually did bypass him and crawled right off the cliff. Well, shit, Jacob murmured. He crawled to the edge of the cliff with a petty determination of watching it collide with the earth below and die. Sadly, he missed it, but when he looked, he wasn't disappointed either way. The animal was dead. But the tech stubbornly pushed on. By the looks of it, the machine was certainly busted. The body was limp as the front legs clawed at the earth, dragging itself onwards. Jacob watched as the thing pulled itself straight towards the garden. His stomach felt like it was carrying a boulder. His face was a red pulp of a mess, blood spilling down his neck. His gums felt entirely too soft. How many pints of his own blood had he swallowed during that entire debacle? What this trip has done to him thus far... This may have been the hardship, the harshest. It was worse than Dancer's Blade removing his limbs, worse than even his skin being flayed directly off his ba- own back. Did you ever see, um, uh, The Revenant? No. This bear fight reminds me of the bear fight in The Revenant. The protagonist here has much better luck, but it's, I wonder if that's been an influence. Is this a movie where... He it's there in somewhere cold and he's fighting wolves or something. Yeah, oh, in the Revenant, the opening scene has uh, the main character on a fur trapping mission in uh, early colonial America, and they get uh, his party gets ambushed, and he runs off and gets basically attacked by a bear. And it's an Emmy, I think, um, Oscar, Oscar award winning scene or something. It's it's pretty pretty brutal, but um. They, they're in a very cold forest, but yeah, so it's very similar. And yet he couldn't find the humor in this situation. Enjoy your stay, pal, Jacob whispered. I'm sure he will, said a voice. Jacob snapped his head over to see a hooded figure standing at the veil of the forest, the very same spot that the bear emerged from. Something about that voice. Jacob couldn't place it, but it sounded damn familiar. Of course, in a place like that, I'm sure he'd feel more at home than you did. Death and machines. He's the best of the whole garden, eh, Jacob? The blow to his gut was harsher than he thought it was. For a moment, he felt an overwhelming sensation of nausea take him. He was certain he'd barf, but instead, Jacob just passed out. And then we have a a line break there. New chapter. So? So there was a bear fight. It was a bear fight. It was a a parasitic bear fight, specifically. 
Yeah, we got through a lot of that. Yeah, so we're about to encounter and I'm lost already. someone who <laughs> knows Jacob. I don't think Or at least a, a prophetic character he meets. Possibly. He is very Obi-Wan coming from the wilderness. Well, he's just wearing a hooded figure, and that's what you get as Obi-Wan. And speaks in prophecy. That's Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah, that's not... Okay, never mind. Yeah, I mean, whatever. He doesn't speak in prophecy. Let me have this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, you go ahead. Okay. <sighs> he woke up next morning to a fire. To a roaring fire, specifically. The sky was black, and the world beyond the radius of the fire's light was just as dark. The edges of the light danced almost flirtatiously with the darkness. His stomach still felt like a house. it housed a brick, and everything hurt entirely too much. As Jacob struggled to a sitting position, he spotted the hooded man sitting opposite of him beyond the flames. It was, he was, it was still, like a statue. Though its face was completely obscured, he knew it was staring at him. Jacob reached for his pack. Everything was still in it, most importantly, the Loper's gem. As Jacob felt it, the figure more chuckled. Shit. This is more shit to add on. Okay, even, okay, okay. you've never read a fantasy story that just like throws magic in and then explains it later. It's sci-fi and fantasy crossover all okay. the time. Okay. Star Wars is a fantasy. Okay, I'm not complaining. Yes, you I'm won't. just complaining. <laughs> they constantly bring you back. More things I have to learn. Oh no. <laughs> God forbid a story challenge the reader. That's not exactly what it's doing. It's it's creating a diction. It's creating a lexicon, that's all. It's setting a scene and making a universe. Eh, it's creating a bunch of terms. That will be used later in the universe. We'll see. As Jacob felt it, the figure chuckled. A tone of certain mockery and derision could be heard in that voice. It somehow cut at him. Well then, Jacob began, grabbing at his ribs. Talking felt weird with missing teeth. Do you got anything to eat, pal? The hooded figure said nothing, but Jacob could tell that somewhere in that shadow covering its face, it was grinning at him. He had a sense for these things. He had a sense for that. He always has a sense. They always have a sense for these things. I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> this place is cursed. <laughs> no? Damn shame. I'm sure that bear thing had some good meat on it. That was you then? Blew it up? I remember it blowing up. The hooded figure made another scoffing noise at him before turning its arm out at him its hand covered in that thick garb jacob looked over to where it was pointing the bear's head was lying close by there was a heart carved into the organic side of its head this poor bear's been freaking mutilated man. yeah that's creepy uh jacob said did you do that the figure pointed towards the cliff towards the garden it came from the rust farm did you go down there and bring it back to me the figure actually laughed at this it's it's a uh, its voice a broken sounding whisper, a series of gross clicking sounds, but distinct enough to know that it was entirely at its expense. Well, fuck you then, Jacob said, looking closer at the heart. The cut was fresh, with dirt coated over the blood like sand on wet skin. I'd rather not know. The farther away I got from Swan City, the less I'd, ex I'd expect weird things like that to happen. Jacob looked back at the figure, still as a statue. He leaned forward to get a closer look, trying to see the face it kept shadowed. But the darkness was simply too thick, and of course, leaning uh, simply hurt too much. Honestly, everything hurt. So his jaw, his jaw was sore, his legs hurt, his fingertips burned, and that pain in his gut. Perhaps that blow from the bear did some serious internal damage. 
You remind me of a friend of mine, he said, wondering if the figure was even listening. You both have a lot in common. Silent, ominous, able to do things that make no damn sense, and above all else, a pain in my ass. There's always a quiet character in fantasy. Always like, look clearly out. Clearly dark and deep and means always the worry most. about the quiet ones. Jacob watched close for a moment to see if he was getting through to it. Still as a statue. As much as he felt like he was wasting his breath, he had to admit that it at least felt good to talk to somebody for a change. At first I thought you... At first I thought you were him. But no, you're too tall. Henry doesn't age. Nothing. Jacob lowered himself to a lying position. It relieved some of the pain, but not by much. The last person I traveled with had her arm sliced off by a dancing fringe hopper. A security system of sorts, you know, like um, like the machine heads themselves. But a bit of a hard lesson, really. Taking rumors like dancer for granted. But it was a lesson... I received, nevertheless, her treat. Her treat, of course. Jacob let out a sigh. The pain was growing more and more by the second, but he pressed on. I felt bad for her. Kid like that, all she's been through. Maybe a few years older than me. Maybe younger. I don't know. Old enough to see the worm get blasted into the four corners of the fringe scape anyways. Jacob ran a finger across his chin up, his, up to his lips. Had that black mark down the center of her lip and chin. You know... So you know she's been through the ringer. That jawhead that's been dragging her around us, us escaping together. I'm sure she was hoping from something better than that. But all she gets is a dance with death. I suppose that's that then. Told her, told me her name was Jawbait. <laughs> Jawbait is not a name. Well, I'll say this. It was her fault that I was in this mess to begin with. So I guess there's that to take into thought. The hooded asshole remained a statue. <laughs> Life sure is weird, though. Me and Jawbait had a thing. Not some grand-scale romance or anything, but something which is more than I could say for just about anything. Something akin to happiness, anyways. More an, an anticipation, really. She sort of, well, she slept around with the group. Men and women. Kind of how she baited people into Jawhead's trap. I resented her at first, but the lady? Well, she was persuasive. <laughs> <laughs> The memory of her made him wince. Jacob could feel the figure's eyes on him. It felt like he was being judged, and not in a good way. He couldn't exactly tell why, but he knew it was sneak smirking at him. His pain was its pleasure. Right, I'm telling you this why? Look, I guess we're just happening upon each other then. By daylight, I'm sure you'll move on and become just another shitty chapter in my pointless journey out. Pointless long journey with lots of people in it. The statue crossed its arm and tilted its head. Still alive, then? Jacob said, smirking back at it. I lost... I thought I lost you there for a minute. That you passed out on me, or better yet, died. It became a statue again, frozen in its new posture. Well, were I so damn lucky? You know, it's not easy losing a hand there. Bob, you don't mind if I call you Bob, right? What am I saying? Of course you don't. You're a zombie, after all. Are you enjoying this, Bob? Me and that lady have been through a lot. Dancer, that's what they call her. Because she likes to... Oh yeah, you guessed it. Fucking dance! She's the reason Jawbait is dead. Jobby liked to flirt, but she hated dancing. Told me that herself, but when Dancer got a hold of her, she danced, Bob. She danced. I'll never forget the look on her face. It's when Dancer looks at you. That moment you realize you're next. You run, but you can't outrun Dancer. She gets you in the end. That look on Jobby's face is the first thing I see when I shut my eyes. 
than in Dancer's glowing eyes, that smile, uh, I'm gonna have fun with you kind of smile. <laughs> She's the reason I lost my hand. She's the reason I'll probably never sleep again. Her real name was Bob, too, now that I think about it. Fuck it, Jobby's real name was Bob. Everybody's name is Bob. My name is Bob. Does that sit well with you, Bob? Us having the same name? Come on, Bob, let's go back to Swan City and rebuild it, eh? How about it? We can, ne we can rename it Bob City. We'll form a council of Bobs and name all the streets and brothels Bob. What do you think, huh? Bob's Pleasure House, Bob Street, Bob fucking Avenue. Will you say something already? Nothing. Not so much as a wince. But it felt good, nevertheless. A catharsis of some sorts for Jacob to lose his temper. He was definitely angry, though, given everything he's endured up to this point. But he did regret, uh, but he did regret tantrum either way. What exactly did he know about this person? Jacob pushed himself back up to a sitting position. The act was incredibly painful. You weren't making this easy for me. Let's start simple. How deep are these woods? Is there anyone else out there that I should be worried about? Should I be worried about you? You're giving me the creepy willies. Creeping willies there, Bob. Bonfire Bob. Good name. I like the tinge of it. Don't you? Nothing. Okay, Bob. I'll go first. I'm Jacob. Apparently, I'm a heretic of sorts. Didn't fall in line with those train worshippers. Trains. Of all things, too. Trains. No such thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna say we stop there actually. How long? But we have like one, two. We're about halfway through. Three, we have four pages left. We have four pages left. Well, I don't want to give too much away here. And as we've been discussing, this is going to be a long form, very dense universe with a lot of characters. Well, yeah, and I mean it's. I think it's awesome. I think this could be a really cool. Well, if he keeps scene. adding to it, I mean that he's got a lot to explain already. Well, well that's I, the thing. I think a lot's gonna be flashback to either in the character's mind or in conversations as this is happening he's gonna i'm, I'm not gonna read ahead but i'm guessing he's gonna continue his journey he's not dead yet but i do think let's just talk about the setting for a little bit i think it's really cool i think it's very imaginative but there's i mean once again there's there's not i mean the the main character starting to develop a character but i think it's the perfect lead-in i think this is a really good prologue because it's gives a setting that you actually don't really know like you like you thought it might be inside someone's head hence the neurostorm neurons flashing uh you don't you know you could just call that lightning maybe that's just his word for lightning we don't know we have a cult that he ran from we have some weird death dealer i think and we that's have a, a robotic bear well that, yeah the worm that's tech, in conflict with itself the worm techs uh i think that's probably the he strongest sci-fi element of this is the worm tech it's some sort of parasitic ai that feeds on human life to sustain itself you know, kind of like a bioengineering hunter that's you know but like a, almost like a hive mind i still mind. think either this is more um fantasy or sci-fi adventure oh, it's it's definitely heavy on the more, fantasy more um this is a, a you know a other otherworldly land adventure it's not really but titan ae is very very heavy on adventure you know i would say it's probably titan the same e is an action movie it is but that's set in a sci-fi setting okay well then we're cross okay i guess we're talking more star wars and star trek now you know what i'm saying star trek is heavy sci-fi Star Wars is fantasy in space. It's a That's space kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. This so, is fantasy in God knows where. This is fantasy in some... I don't even know what to describe it, and that's kind of awesome. Because I do have a clear picture in my head, the way he wrote this, but I would not know what to classify it as. And I think that's really cool. Because it doesn't sound like he's trying to be as vague or 
as different as possible. I think he just has a really cool idea that doesn't fit into one genre. Um, and sci-fi does that a lot. Yeah. Uh, think about the Foundation but, trilogy. Mean, what you've read to me of that so far barely sounds like a sci-fi. It sounds like a I political know, but thriller. It, exactly. It's a political thriller, but what is it making a statement about? I don't know yet. I've only read a little bit. It's making a statement about... Uh, you know, man is inevitably inevitably going to kill themselves, and we can. The part that we're talking, that we're reading at, is how they're using uh, a religion sort of to control other religions. That they're slowly going to devolve into less religion. So and it's, that's still... it's making a it's a discussion. This is this well, is and fantasy. If, and if I didn't know that that was set in space or sometime in the future, what you just described to me, I would not call sci-fi. I would call that political philosophy if anything okay. like utopia well, I, I don't know i mean this is the beginning of a book so it is it's really hard to get into the first few chapters of a book for me especially so okay fair enough that's kind of where i'm at right now sorry axman well I, again like this is written not the way most easily consumed books are and it starts with action that's, of all things that's fine with me i mean there's a lot of really good books out there that are not easy to get into but once you do break through they're fantastic. And right. So this could go either way. And especially since he has so much to explain, I feel like there's going to be a lot of questions Absolutely. down but, the line. But what this did prompt and what I'm happy it asked us to look at is, you know, what does make a sci-fi? And we just went through, what, four different different uh, medias that are and are not sci-fi. Yeah. And I think that's cool. And I'm not going to do, I don't think we should do so many stories like this. We should do more harder sci-fi. But it is good to take a step back now and then and say, you know, the genre is fluid in some ways. You can bend the rules now and then. Yeah. And that's important to remember. Every genre is like that, to be perfectly honest. Well, I mean, the second you, you write a story, it's not you who always puts it in genre. Sometimes True. it's everyone else. True. So um, and we actually break don't... them genre molds. And I think sci-fi typically, other than happening usually in the future or at some advanced point in humanity, usually, like you said, makes a statement. We don't know if this story is going to make a statement because we're not far into it. It may just be an awesome adventure. I don't know. But the possibility is still left open, which I think is really cool. Well, I mean, I don't really... I mean, I'm on this podcast, so my opinion <laughs> matters. Let's start with that. When I read really heavy sci-fi model, uh, novels, I get bored because when everything's possible, nothing is special. And that's sort of what this feels like to me. Would you categorize Childhood's End like that? Because Childhood's End was very dense. Despite being That's a small not what I'm book. At. But where do they start? They start on a planet with people like you or me. And that's where I'm getting at. It gets, it's grounded somewhere where you can put yourself in those places where you can feel those emotions. You get what I'm saying? This is just a dude looking out at an alien landscape I can't really picture, fighting a bear I can't really picture, and then meeting a dude I can't really picture. It's escapism, but if escapism is properly described and the imagery is powerful enough i don't think it's hard to imagine these things i mean but harry I, potter okay. for example sure enough starts in the, I'm t the i real... remember how i started this i started this as my opinion I get and that. it matters because this is our podcast and only because of that i get that i'm just saying I, I think certain books that do happen in weird fantastical worlds aren't hard to imagine though uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. Lord mean, of the Rings was not hard to imagine because Tolkien spent every waking moment giving you description. But I couldn't get through that either. <laughs> I couldn't get through that book <laughs> because it's so can't. dense and there's just so can't. much stuff. And once again, when everything's possible, nothing is special. 
That's how. That's just my take when I when I read and when I look for media. That's okay. it. Okay. That's all I'm getting at. Fair enough. And Fair so enough. this. Uh, but you definitely like a lot of people will share that with you, share that sentiment and that reading style, and just how they approach books. And I, I don't mind weird, dense settings as long as the imagery is good. Or they can take you somewhere that you wouldn't think about, or yeah. it's yeah. philosophically powerful. I like escapism. I like escaping into sure. weird landscapes. Dolly is probably my favorite artist, I would say, because they're barely recognizable shapes, but there's enough that you're just like, whoa, where is that? It's like a dreamscape. And for me, this is a very feverish, nightmarish dreamscape, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's polarizing in a way but so many good things in this world are polarizing especially when it comes to art right and this i mean they could he could create a very interesting world it's, i mean that's the problem with reading a prologue is you have no idea what you're reading you can't really make generally speaking you can't really make a judgment about a movie until you get to the end and go well that was dumb or that was oh my god i never expected that to happen so and we are so far <laughs> from the we're 001 <laughs> percent so I wonder if we only saw the first half hour of Star Wars, would we be like, I have to know more? Which Star Wars? Uh, episode four. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know, because very little, very little happens other than a lot of Tatooine in the first part, and then a little bit of the Death Star. I would definitely feel confused, but I'd probably continue with it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I feel about this book, the one he started. I don't know if he's finished it. I think he has a bunch of chapters and he's kind of revisiting them and cleaning them up and restructuring some. Like I said, this is a special episode. I'm not going to do this all the time. I'm not going to have us read uh, epilogues to, uh, pro- sorry, prologues to large books. But I did want to take our time to do this because Axeman is a talented writer. And a yeah, talented... no, the, he's uh, very imaginative, yeah. very vividly descriptive and... All that jazz. Yeah, I thought it was close enough to provoke discussion, and it did. So if you would like to see more of his work, you can go to his YouTube page, Axeman Cartoons, and he has animated a lot of creepypasta work that is generating a lot of buzz, and I can't wait to see more of it. He's a very talented animator. He has also written other stories. One of my favorite stories he wrote, as far as his creepypasta goes, is The Chanting in the Woods. Uh, I don't... He has, he has a different name, a different pen name for that, and I forget what it is, unfortunately. But if you look up Chanting in the Woods, you can find it there. So, yeah, uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us again. Yeah, thanks. This... Sorry for uh, having opinions about your work, <laughs> Axeman. If I know Axeman, he is happy for the feedback, and he will really appreciate it, actually, okay. even if you disagree with him. So thank you, everyone. We will have, go back to the Sci-Fi Reddit stories next week. I have I already have a couple submissions there. If you would like to submit a story, contact me on Twitter at Abysme or go to the Short Sci-Fi Stories Reddit and you can contact me there as well. I've got posts up there. So thank you and we will see you next week. Yes, um, until then. I have nothing to plug, so goodbye everyone. (laughs)